Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan and uh, my special co-host today, Katie Morgan. Hello! How are you going today, my uh, lovely wife? I am on top of the world. I've had a wonderful day. I've worked, but I had a few surprises along the way, and it's been awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so stoked that you're so stoked. And uh, it's pretty great to have you on the show today. What have you been doing since uh, since you left the show? I well, actually know the answer to this question, of course, because I live with you I, and whatnot. Yes, but, you know, maybe not everybody else knows. It's probably been about a year since I've been on here, and that's because I got a job, um, two jobs, in fact, um, but I am now currently working as a school counselor at a wonderful Christian school called Macquarie College in Newcastle. And how well, to what do we owe the pleasure today that you are not there? Well, it is school holidays and it allows me to have some flexible work hours. So I have already been there. I've done my time today and now I'm in here at the studio, which is just down the road. Isn't that excellent? I love it. Working overtime to get the word of God into your hands. I love it. I love it. Super excited. And how's your day? How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. I uh, have had a great day. Great morning in ministry. Had a meeting with some, with a team leader and, Ah, had a Bible study this morning, got to go visit somebody, take them some soup. It's been a great day. Sounds and, good. And um, also, I went, for a, I went for a row this morning. A row? Yeah, Where did I you went, row? So, so I had the privilege of uh, fixing a boat with a friend of mine last year, and I got out there this morning, and I rowed across from where I live on Lake Macquarie in Nord's Wharf over to Gwandolin on the other That's side. That's quite a distance. And so I, I've seen that. So yeah, I rode across and rode back. It was great. Awesome. Yeah, Fantastic. Not, not rode like sat there with an engine, but like with, with oars. Old Rowing, school. old school. It was good. My back's a little tired, which I think is a good thing. But it's going to be a great show today. What have Super we got stoked on? to have you guys with us. Uh, great show lined up for you. Today we're going to be continuing our study of the book of Exodus, and we are going through the final plagues of the Exodus story today with Moses. Super excited for that. We also are going to do our discussion topic today, and our discussion topic today that you can call or text in and get your responses into is, what spiritual gift do you wish you had and why? So if you'd like to get in on that, you can get in on that action. But also, at the end of the show, we have a segment where we like to answer questions that you have about God, spirituality, the Bible, etc. Could be anything uh, the the sky is the limit. We'd Send love to hear in. from you. And today we have a very special prize giveaway, and we're going to tell you about that after the break. So stick around for that. And uh, you can call or text in with your questions to get access to that free giveaway. The first caller is going to receive that, and you can get that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 491 and uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's going to be a great show today. Hold on to your hats and glasses, and we're going to listen to a beautiful song right now by Robin Mark called Here Is Love. Sing his praise, he can never 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie. This is uh, Faith FM. Yeah, I forgot which one of those I said, Faith FM or Real Faith, but that's what you're listening to, and we're super excited to have you. And it has come that time of the show where we talk about what a weird and wonderful world that God has made. So what have you got for us today, Katie? I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to actually not be the person giving facts, but just listening to facts today. Well, I think you are going to enjoy today, and I don't know if you've heard any of these facts before, but hopefully they are new. And I think you're going to appreciate this, Robbie, because um, you we're going to talk about a body part which you have been using quite a bit recently. And okay. that would that be your weird. feet. My so, feet. That's good. Yes. I'm glad that I – yeah, that's right. I've been doing a bit of exercise this week. I made a, I made a decision on uh, – Saturday at church that I was going to commit to doing a lot more exercise. So that was what I got out of my own sermon. <laughs> and that's a great thing to be <laughs> and doing. so I've been doing a lot of footwork this week. But today I rode a boat. Anyway, tell us more about feet. Okay. So I love feet. Some feet are fun great. facts about feet. Did you know that a quarter of the bones in your body are found in your feet, between your two feet? You're kidding. Not at all. That's right. So there, your body is made up of 206 bones and 52 of those found in your feet, 26 in each. I just had a thought. Are teeth counted as bones? Look, I didn't look that up today, so I can't tell you. <laughs> Maybe enough. next week we can give we, you that We might fact. need to look at that. Okay, wow. That's insane. That's right. And just some other facts about, um, I guess, your feet while we're at it. My feet? Okay, Our tell me more. Tell me more general, about my feet. Um, it's made of, of 33 joints and 100 muscles, ligaments, and tendons. What? So your feet are quite complex. Um, I guess that's why you have um, podiatrists that specialize in feet. Um, they're very important for um, wow. you know the structure of the rest of your body because everything you do is on your feet. Um, that's amazing. 
By the way, I just want to put I want to put a shout out there for the feet that God has made because a lot of Absolutely. people are kind of like really grossed out by feet. And I get, I get that. Feet can be stinky and some people are even me talking about this, you might be listening and thinking, feet." But I got to say, they're a pretty underrated part of the body because without it, you can't walk, you can't ride skateboards, you can't surf, you can't That's right. you know, can't rock Super climb very easily. Like you can do things, but you can't do them the same way. Like it makes it quite difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty underrated body part as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I don't know what I would do without my feet. And um, another one. So we often, when someone talks about being ticklish, we often talk about our feet. And the reason why I think, um, and, you know, I guess scientists think that our feet are so ticklish is because there are 8,000 nerves in our feet. So they are super sensitive, um, uh-huh. hence the ticklishness of feet. So um, This is great. I'm absolutely. Um, not only that, but not all your toes have the same number of bones. So there are different amounts of bones in each of your toes. It's not evenly um, dispersed. dispersed. So, 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 sorry. So I'm just trying to get my head around this. So my toe joints where they stick off. Yeah, you're right. My big toes only got two. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Whereas your others, so your and other the other ones have, have three. Mm, wow. Sorry, I was going to ask if that was beyond like back. Back from where the toe joins the rest of the foot, maybe that's part of it is what I was going to ask. But no, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, here's, a, here's a fun fact that for okay, you about you, feet. You go for it. If you hold your big toe up to your thumb, which one do you think would be bigger? Dun, 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 dun. I would say my thumb. Well, you are mistaken. Compare Ooh. it later. Your big toe is significantly larger than your uh, thumb in most cases in my experience. Okay. Even though. In length? Yeah. Well, just in size. Okay. I'll like if you were to compare. replace your big thumbs with your toes, you would have strange-looking hands. Yeah. Like I'm, disproportionate, I should say. I'm intrigued. Say. In the break, I'm going to take my shoes off and compare the yeah. two. Don't do that if you're driving, unless you're wearing thongs. No, Then, no, then it's okay no, at the no. lights. You can do that when you're <laughs> <laughs> Um Okay. For more driving tips, you can listen on at 335. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can have a guess at this one. What do you think grows slower, toe or fingernails? Um, toenails. Ah, you are absolutely correct. I know because I clip them about half as often as I clip my fingernails. Well, there you go. You already knew that one. So, yeah, toes do grow um, slower. They only grow about one millimeter per month. Um, I think that a really important question that's worth considering is where do you clip your toenails? Do you do it straight into a bin? Do you Look, like vacuum it up? Handle this kind of conversation. Or, you know, what I like to do, This is, I just think this is kind of funny. I, I like to clip them outside so I don't have to worry about where they land and I don't have to vacuum or sweep or any of that. But I had a friend who I was, I was clipping them at the beach and he uh, he he was really grossed out by that, <laughs> that my, I clipped my toenails at his beach. Anyway, he never found toenails on the beach, so it was okay. Anyway, well, I think we're going to have to go for a song. This is The Idea of North. Whenever God shines light on me, open up my eyes so I can see. When I look up in the darkest night, then I know everything's gonna be alright. In deep confusion, in great despair, when I reach out for Him. He is there When I am lonely 
as I can be. Then I know that God shines His light on me. In Jesus' name Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around And he'll put your feet back on higher ground Reach out for him, he'll be there When in your troubles you can share And he heals lame Says you can do it too In Jesus' name Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around And he'll put your feet back on higher ground are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM. And before we go any further, I just want to do another shameless plug for our question of the week and um, also for our discussion question. So if you want to get in for our discussion topic, which we'll start talking about after this segment, um, our question today is, what spiritual gift do you wish you have and why? Also, for the question of the week, we'd love to hear from you. The first caller in today with any question that they would like us to try and answer here today on the show is going to receive a free copy of, drumroll, Egypt to Canaan, the board game. So, super excited. If you, like me, have been uh, a little bit impacted by the lockdowns, if you have had a bit of difficulty, say, with the kids wondering what in the world are they going to do on school holidays for two, three weeks, however long it is for your kids, with nothing to do except stay inside, etc. 
you're probably going to want to get onto this question of the week because you can get a copy of this board game for free and give your kids something to do during this time. And by the way, you might not be kids and you might still want to play board games. I like board games. So if you would like to do that, you can call in with a question to 0491-064-669. You can text the same number. That's 0491-064-669. All right. Now, before we get into our testify, did you have a really quick fun fact? You, You were... In the break, you were kind of... Oh, uh, yes. Look, I was just wanting to share um, a world record. <laughs> and that world record was um, by Anthony Thornton, um, who managed to walk slash run 153.52 kilometers backwards in a 24-hour period with his feet. So just a bit of a fun fact about the it. world record on the furthest distance walked backwards in 24 hours. I wonder hours. if he fell down at all. That's pretty impressive. It is That's a lot impressive. of kilometers to go forwards in a 24-hour period, by the way. Longest Let I've gone is like 28 Ks in, in a day. So that's yeah. more than 100 more than that. All right. So it's come that time of our show where we talk about our testify segment, where we testify about things that God is doing in the real lives of real people right now. And today, because we have Katie in on the show, we're going to ask Katie for um, a little bit of what God has been doing in your life. So let's take it away. What I don't... I don't I'm going to ask you questions, but I don't know what you're talking about. So what would you like to share? I guess I was, I was assuming I was just going to be sharing a little bit about, I guess, my general testimony um, of yeah, coming to know Jesus and choosing to have him as my personal savior. Excellent. So, um, yeah, I guess my um, experience really started from being a very young child. I was really blessed and privileged with being born into a, a Christian family, um, a Seventh-day Adventist family. Uh, where we, um, yeah, um, I was raised uh, to know Jesus and I was really blessed by that. Um, However, and I think this is probably quite common amongst many people raised in Christian homes, is my faith didn't really become my own until much later. Um, And my life, um, I guess, really took a bit of a, a turning point where I began to take my faith more personally when I was in my high school years. Um, it was in this time that um, an immediate family member of mine, I guess, uh, actually found themselves incarcerated. So this exposed what, I guess, me who was quite naive um, in a Christian family to addiction and violence and um, the court system, which was quite foreign when most students were um, studying for their HSC. I was often going and visiting uh, my family in my family member in, um, in prison. Um, so... It was here where I was kind of thinking, well, what track do I want to go down in my life? Um, is God relevant? Is God here amongst the, the challenges that my family are facing? Um, and if he is, is he a God I want to follow? Those are big questions to be asking at a time like that, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I was really, really blessed with some people who just really chose to invest in me at that time. And um, I guess really look out for me at that time and um, encourage me to want to continue, I guess, um, being part of my church community. And I think for me, um, I'm someone that likes to follow the rules and not push the boundaries. So seeing someone, um, I guess, really challenge a lot of boundaries, it really led me to wanting to um, go the opposite direction. And it kind of really protected me in many ways. But it led me to a faith where... um, I was really ticking a lot of do's and don'ts. As long as I do this and that, um, God loves me and I'm okay. Um, And I was probably always comparing myself to other people, thinking, well, at least I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I'm okay. 
Um, and so this really found me in a faith where I felt like I was always falling short, um, never reaching the standard um, that we actually need to. And that is because no one can. Uh, we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, and I was really blessed to go and attend a, a Bible school um, called Arise. And um, it was here in this program where I really learned about the true love of God and his character. And it was in learning about that I was learning about how wretched my own character is. And um, in seeing the character of God, um, I had a greater realization, I guess, of my own brokenness um, and that just like the other prisoners, um, I knew they needed God and it was here that I finally realized I personally also needed God. Um, it wasn't just them, but I also needed a savior just like any other person. That would have been huge. What a big realization. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from, from that experience of, of experiencing Jesus in that way at that time, recognizing your own true need for a savior, how did that change your walk with God? Yeah, um, it actually gave me, um, I guess, a realization that I can't do things on my own, but by Christ's power, um, we can overcome. And by his sacrifice of dying on the cross for us, we can um, live a, a life with him. And um, that was really transformative for me and giving me peace, um, peace in knowing that, yes, I fall short, but I also have a savior that loves me and helps me to overcome um, those shortcomings that I have in my life. I love it. It's beautiful. If there was one thing that you could say to any listeners who can relate to that, who have perhaps had a journey where they've they've kind of grown up perhaps in a Christian context, but it's not been their own, or perhaps they've been exposed to Christianity, but that, that hasn't been their own faith, what would you say to those listeners? Um, I guess for me, the, the, the lesson or the thing I want to share is that um, get to know Christ for yourself. Um, doesn't matter whether you know a lot about him or you don't, but get to know, give him a try, get to know him for yourself and know that whether you feel like you've done the worst things ever, um, that he has died for you and he can save you. Or if you were like me and felt like, Hey, I wasn't actually that bad. I'm doing all right. Um, God can help us as well. And he wants to lead us to a life that, um, is yeah. Walking with him day in and day out. And, um, a blessing not only to us but others. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Katie. This is Michael Card, I Will Bring You Home.
When time reaches fullness, when I move my hand, I will bring you home, home to your own place in a beautiful land. Is Lyle from the Breakfast Show? I would like to personally invite you to join Sharissa from Looking Up and myself for our next instalment of The End Digital, The End of Time, starting July 14 at 8 p.m. We will be streaming live and we'll have question and answer time after each show that you can participate in. We look forward to your company at The End Digital Facebook or YouTube. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. Choosing. 
You're listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Katie, and this is Real Faith. Um, Before we get into our Bible study today, which we're going to be jumping into in Exodus chapter 10, we're going to have a word of prayer. But before we even have our word of prayer, I just want to do another shameless plug. We would love to hear from you with your questions about whatever it is that you have questions about, about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, about spirituality, about the end of the world. Well, you know, you name it, we'd love to talk about it. Um, you can call in or text in with your questions at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And our first caller in today is going to receive a free board game called Egypt Yo. to Canaan, exploring a board game of the story that we're talking about with Exodus. So, Make sure you call in for that, and um, let's have a prayer, and let's get right into it. Sounds good. Father in heaven, we just pray that you'd fill us with your spirit today, and that you would lead us and guide us as we open your word, speak to our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are up to Exodus chapter 10, and last week we talked about the plagues that took place between basically the fifth plague and the seventh plague um, following the, the livestock that were diseased and died, the boils that came upon the Egyptians, the plague of the hail uh, that was like size of volleyballs. It was a pretty crazy story, pretty full on. And now after all of those things, we're in Exodus chapter 10, and we're going to find out what happens next. So if Katie, if you could read for us verse 1 through verse 6. No worries. So this is Exodus 10, 1 to 6. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of the sons and your sons' sons the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourselves before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring lotus into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth, so that no one will be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail." 
And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he returned and went out from Pharaoh. Awesome. All right, so there's a bunch of stuff that happens in this passage. First thing that I think is worth noting is it says here in the first verse, there's been a transition of this this kind of commentary. And we've talked about it before, but I just want to highlight it. He says, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. And just one thing that I want to, I want to highlight here that I think is really fascinating. Mm. So far in the story, it, we, we've seen this, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Pharaoh's heart became hard. I think once we've said, seen in the story so far, God says, I, I will harden his heart. But one thing that I think is really fascinating here is, again, in no way do I believe that God is coercing Pharaoh or overriding his free will. But what's really fascinating to note here is it gets to a point sometimes where if you can be so set in your ways that if somebody presents the right thing to you, it actually can make you harder. Yeah. Like you can harden yourself even more against opposition because you have become so set in holding your position staunchly that even even hearing the thing that's opposite to your view that's right can push you even further into holding your view, even though you can see that you're wrong. Yeah. And that's what I see, that's one of the things that I see here. Um, anything stick out to you in that passage? What I think is just fascinating is this is following, um, you know, hail and also um, the diseased livestock. So I just think everything like that the Egyptians – I guess, own or have for like food and their livelihood is completely being destroyed. Um, And so they've already lost so much. And now this would just devastate um, their crops and everything because lotus are horrendous. Locusts. Locusts, sorry. (laughs) Um, Lotuses are fine. They're nice flowers. (laughs) Yes, they are. Um, Locusts are horrendous. They they, just destroy. They're deadly. They um, eat everything. mm -hmm. And it's interesting to note, and we're going to see in a moment how the people actually choose to respond, but it's fascinating to note that God has not destroyed everything in one go. He's given this this warning after warning after warning after warning. The livestock have all been diseased and they've died. Then their crops were damaged by the hail, but God in his mercy didn't damage Mm. everything. The stuff that hadn't yet fruited was still continuing to grow. It had not been destroyed by the hail. And here the warning is basically, look, you've got very little left. Yep. And the locusts are going to come and eat all the rest. So either let my people go or this is the consequence that's going to come. All right, let's keep reading. Okay. Um, we're through, seven through. Let's keep going. Okay. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So All right, let's pause there for a moment. So how are the people responding? They're like, look, Pharaoh, just let him go. <laughs> like it gets to the point where even Pharaoh's own people yeah. are now saying, look, do you not do you not get it? Like the whole country is, is a wasteland. Mm. Everything that we need to exist as a society here physically is being destroyed. Can you just not wake up to yourself, let go of your ego, and let these people go? What's the good of having slaves if we don't have anything to eat, right? Like, yeah. And it's at this point that we have to wonder, what is Pharaoh going to do next? How is Pharaoh going to respond to all of this 
reaction from even his own people. Is he going to soften his heart? This is Vocal Union. He will lead his children home. Read and heard a story from the blessed old book How the walls of Jericho, the people marched around And when the trumpet sounded, how the mighty walls shook Walls around the city came a-tumbling down The Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lion's den He rolled the waters back before old Moses and his men He led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin The Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty winds that blew He saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too He rose up from the grave just like the prophet said he do Never will forsake us, matter not what may come Safely he will lead his faithful children on home The Lord said, Brother Jonah, go to Nineveh land But he disobeyed the Lord by hiding away Then Jonah got converted to obey the command From the well the Lord delivered him on that day The Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lion's den He rolled the waters back before old Moses and his men He led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin The Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty wind that blew He saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too He rose up from the grave just like the prophet said he'd do Never will forsake us, matter not what may come Safely he will lead his faithful children on home. The Lord has raised the dead and caused the blinded to see. Cleanse the leper spots and turn the water to wine. The Lord's the same today and now forever will be. There's no other power like the Savior divine. The Lord delivered Daniel from the hungry lions in. Roll the waters back before old Moses and his men He led the people out of Egypt's bondage and its sin The Lord, he calmed the ocean and the mighty winds that blew He saved the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace too He rose up from the grave just like the prophets and he do Never will forsake us, matter not what may come Safely he will lead his faithful children on You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM Radio. And uh, before we get back into it, we want to just do another shameless plug. But be, uh, before we even do our shameless plug, let's have a quick look at our discussion responses. Do we have those? Maybe I don't have those organized. No, we'll do that after the next after the next song. Sorry, I'm a little bit disorganized in the studio. Nothing new. Nothing to surprise you. Um all right, so another shameless plug. We'd love to hear from you. You can still call in for the question of the week, and if you'd like to do that or get in on our discussion topic today, which is if you, or which is what spiritual gift do you wish you had and why, you can call or text in for either of those responses by this number, 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. So how's Pharaoh going to respond? Right, The people have recognized, everyone sees that Pharaoh's choices are leading to the ruin of the whole nation of Egypt. How is Pharaoh going to respond? Let's keep reading. I think it's verse 8. Yeah, verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, who are the ones... Sorry, who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and with our daughters and with our, our flocks. And our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you go, when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. 
Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Man, one one thing that really jumps out at me in this passage of the story, I think is it, it's just so significant the lack of humility that Pharaoh has. Mm. Now, and, and on one hand, I can understand that. Like Pharaoh has gone from the position of he's treated as if he's a deity. They they believe him to be like the a connection point to their to their pantheon of gods, and he's gone from this position of everyone obeys him, or he can literally have them killed at the snap of his fingers. And he's being humbled here. He's being very much humbled. But the reality is that every time he has a little bit of a concession to allow something, he he gets to the point where he sees a little bit of the light of reality. His ego just arcs right back up, and he just vehemently tries to put himself in the position where he has control, where he's in the power move, Mm. like he's in the power position. But the reality is... He's just getting confirmed again and again. You don't have the control that you think. And isn't that a, a, a fact of reality for all of us? Sure. We think that we have so much control over so much of what's going on around us. But the reality is what we ultimately only have control over is ourselves and our own decisions. Absolutely. Like we have free will. We get to choose how we are going to respond, what we are going to say, what we are going to believe, what we are going to do. That's all we really have ultimate control over. Nothing else. And the things that are going on around us, we're at the mercy of, of the world. We're at the mercy of the weather. We're at the mercy of the political regimes, you know, and ultimately we're at the mercy of God. And here it's just, it's just so interesting. He's just trying to grasp for that. But the reality is if he were to recognize his real position and his real need, he could have avoided all of the hardship and enjoyed the rich blessings that would have come with believing and accepting what God had said. For sure. And I think it really reflects that. I think within humanity, um, our our human nature is we we want control. We want power. And um, that's what we see, I guess, Pharaoh really fighting and struggling to let go of. Um, but it's actually in surrendering those things that we actually, I think, experience the most freedom. Um, and that's something, I guess, yeah. Pharaoh isn't experiencing, but it's just a very relatable battle that um, I think humanity also experiences, which um, Pharaoh is wrestling against. Fully. All right, let's, let's keep reading the next section. Okay, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought locusts, um, <clears throat> and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as such, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was of was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. So the 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 locusts come in just as God has said, and they clean everything up just as God has said. Let's find out what happens as we finish off this chapter. 
Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in a haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the lotus away and blew them up into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's hearts and he did not let the children of Israel go. I think it's really interesting to note that he says, forgive me this sin, just just this once. It's like he's just kind of come to the realization that what's happening here is that this is going to result ultimately in the death of all the people if there's no food to eat. And yet even after this, he changes his mind and he cannot choose life mm. over his pride. And ultimately that's what the question of letting go of our pride really, really consists of. Lord, I feel I tried and I failed, and I'm tired and weary. Everything I ever done was wrong, and I feel like going home. Lord, I tried to see it through, but it was too much for me, and now I
Crave great food that's good for you and for the planet? Manor Haven Cafe is an earth-friendly oasis right in the heart of Byron Bay, just across from Woolworths. The mouth-watering 100% vegan menu will leave you and your friends satisfied and feeling great. Manor Haven's world-class curries and vegan lasagna have everybody raving. And if you mention this ad, you'll get one of our totally dairy-free desserts half price. We're open for lunch Monday to Friday at 97 Johnson Street, Byron Bay. Manor Haven Cafe. It's food for body and soul. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. How could a God of love torture people in hell for all eternity? How could a God of justice create some people to be condemned and others to be saved? Is Sunday a God-ordained day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus or a pagan festival in honour of the sun? How could the church condemn millions of people to the flames in the Middle Ages and rob them blind today while still claiming to represent God? The End of Time is a series of Bible-based presentations that will tackle these challenging questions and more. Please join us Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. That is Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. For more information, go to the N.Digital website, Facebook page, or YouTube channel. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy, rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Peter, John, and James could never be the same, after they heard him say, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Cast your nets aside and join the battle tide. He will be your guide to make you fishers of men. He said, Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He said, Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus bore the cross together in the lost. Oh, what a mighty cost to set us free from sin. He said, Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men.
are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM, and uh, we're super excited to have you with us. Another shameless plug for our question of the week. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, you can call or text in with your questions about God, the Bible, Christianity, faith, you name it. We'd love to hear from you. You can do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. So that's the eighth plague. We've seen that there. And um, the question is, well, there's only 10 plagues, so we're getting pretty close, and we're going to see if we can at least get through Plague 9 and the build-up to Plague 10 today. So let's keep reading. We are in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in the land of Egypt, Three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me, take heed to yourself, and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Hectic, right? Like the story is just building. The drama Mm. is getting thicker and thicker. And so is the darkness, literally. Yeah, crazy. I can't kind of imagine. It says like a thickness that could be felt. I, I guess I haven't experienced that myself, but it just sounds really like if you know, I kind of imagine if I was to put my hand in front of my face, I wouldn't have been able to see it. Because even in the dark, you can kind of see the shadow of your hand. But it must have been just so thick, um, something never seen before. Yeah, totally. And one thing that I think is really significant to note here is that, again, it says the children of mm. Israel, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Yes. So all over the land of Egypt, it was as black as black could be. It was darkness, total darkness. It lasted for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. It's interesting that God was providing for his people in the midst of this this difficulty. And and I think one of the things that sticks out to me about that that separation, that distinction of what's happening in in Egypt to those who are not following God, to those who are in Egypt who are following God, is is this distinction is just demonstrating another piece of evidence to those who are not following God, to see that God is who he says he is. Absolutely. right? Like If you were one of these Egyptians watching your leader make all of the decisions that are resulting in the destruction of your livelihood, of your ability to exist, and the, the God who is doing that, who's, mm. who's bringing these plagues, is providing for those who are following him, surely that would be a clue to you. Which God is the real God, and who should you really be listening to? Who should you really be following? Absolutely. This isn't just a witness of God's power for the Israelite people, but it's very much for the um, Egyptians as well. And I also love, and this came up before and I forgot to mention it, it was given, 
the reason was given right at the beginning of chapter 10 when he mentions the locusts. He says that, that you may know that I am the Lord. The purpose of all of this mm. stuff was that the Egyptians would know that God was who he says he is, that Pharaoh would know who, that God is who he says he is, that Moses and his descendants and the Israelites would know who God is. Like this idea that this is supposed to demonstrate to them that God is who he says he is. Mm. It's giving everybody an opportunity to choose. And at the end of the day, again, that is the most important thing that's ever been given to us is freedom of choice. Absolutely. And they have the privilege to choose to respond to God or to choose to respond not to God. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that it's pretty hectic when you look at the the fact that this 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 ninth plague, when it comes to the response that Pharaoh has, he says, hey, look, you can go. You can go and do your thing. He says, but you can't bring your flocks and your herds. Mm. It's like he's trying to grasp every little last little bit thing to let it go. There's no trust here that God is going to be faithful. There's no trust in any of that stuff. He's got to have his little semblance of control. But notice how angry he gets when Moses is stating that you, we need all of this stuff. You can't. There's no exceptions. It's got to be exactly how it was requested. And notice that his response is, "All right, next time you see me, I'm going to destroy you." That's it. Mm. And he actually sends away his last opportunity for repentance. It's actually quite sad. It's it's very to see sad. Pharaoh hardening his heart. Yes, yes, it is. This is Andy McLeod, a new heart. Oh, or it's not. Something happened with our radio stuff. There it is. Here it is. is. Lord, I want to be more like you As I go throughout this life But sometimes inside of me There seems to be such strife I have a heart that's often hard And often can be rough Lord, I pray from you a new heart You promised from above The only thing I have to give is a sin polluted heart I don't deserve the mercy and the love you can impart but you gave your life so freely on the cross at Calvary the sacrifice you made was out of love you have for me Lord give me a new heart a heart just like you have teach me to walk with you and give you all I have help me to grow in grace and the love you
listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM Radio. And uh, before we get back into our Bible study, we have a response to our discussion topic. So the question again was, what spiritual gift do you wish you had and why? Awesome. So we've had a response from Ruth, and her response was, the spiritual gift of healing so that I could heal the sick. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It's, I love I love when you go through the list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. There's a couple other places. I think it's Ephesians 4 and uh, Romans somewhere, I think, is the other one from memory. But um, it's really interesting. I love that Paul points out that everybody and everybody's gift is valuable and necessary and that we operate as a body. Mm. Like We all probably wish we had some other gifts that we don't have. But yet God gives us all gifts that we can use. And that doesn't mean we he will not necessarily give us that gift in the future. We may have the opportunity to use that. But use what you've got. That's, That's right. awesome. Thanks, Ruth, for calling that in. Keep sending them in. All right. And uh, one last shameless plug. Oh, no, we got two shameless plugs before the news. So uh, another shameless plug that you can call in with your response to that discussion topic or you can call in or text in with your questions for Question of the Week, which is coming up after the news, by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right, so the the way that this reads in the in the text here, it sounds like Moses says, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again. And it's almost like God speaks to him in this next instant, right before he leaves, is how it sounds. And this is what happens before he leaves. So let's check this out. We're in Exodus chapter 11, continuing on the story. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. 
When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servant and in the sight of the people. Awesome. So God speaks to Moses. I'm a little uncertain. It seems almost like he's still there with Pharaoh or that he's gone to the people. It's a little confusing to me, but however it happened, he starts, he's given this instruction by God to speak about this last plague that's going to come. And this is what he continues to say. Let's go on in verse four. Then Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even the firstborn, sorry, of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the first of the female servants who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was not like before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against a man or beast that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. All these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Isn't that just hectic, right? Like he's told that the most the most intense plague is going to come. It's going to affect every household of Egypt. And notice that he says he's going to make a distinction between his people and those who are not his people. And what's really fascinating to note here is that the distinction that's going to come is still a matter of choice. And the reason that the Israelites were not going to be impacted is because they would listen to the way that God had made for them to experience salvation by the blood of the Lamb. This is Caroline Cobb, the Passover song. In the morning 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're going to do our last shameless plug before uh, we before we have the news and all of that stuff that happens on the hour. And our last shameless plug is that if you'd like to call in with your questions, now you, you've still got time. It's your last chance uh, before before the news. So you can call or text in with your questions about God, spirituality, the Bible, etc. We'd love to hear from you. By calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Now, I was looking at this, and uh, we've only got so much time that we can throw at this. And I, I don't know that we're going to get all the way through this. I think we're going to have to stop partway through. But I, it's just, this is the most powerful part of the whole of the 10 plagues scenario coming right here, in my opinion. We've got the story, it hits narrative, and then in the middle of the narrative, in chapter 12, God speaks to Moses and Aaron and institutes something called the Passover. Now, as we go through this, he's going he's gonna to actually give them the instructions of what they're going to do as they keep this feast or festival for the coming years, for generation to generation to generation. And then it's going to come back into the story and tell how it plays out in this particular situation. So we're only going to get partway through, but I just want you to just... Just let this really sink in, the significance of this and what this is pointing forward to. Let's continue from Exodus chapter 12. 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Pause there for a sec. Check this out. Okay. He says that this is this thing that we're instituting right now is going to be the new year for mm. your calendar. Your calendar is not going to be based on all of the other things and just on the sun or just on this. No, no, your calendar begins with the Passover. It's, Significant. it's the first month of your annual system of calendar. Why is that so significant? Because what is about to happen here is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? Like a follower mm. of God, to be an Israelite, is centered around the sacrifice of the lamb for your rescue. That's Notice not- also that he says, every man, right? Not just some, not just this. No, no, every man must have the lamb to bring and provide for their household, those that are under their under their leadership, he says every man needs to go get a lamb. And he says, now, if your household is too small for a lamb, we don't, we're not going to waste this. This isn't about excess. He says, then you're going to join families together. You come together and you work out according to your need mm. so that you're all covered by the blood of this lamb. Yes. Isn't that profound? Yeah. Pointing forward to the sacrifice of Jesus for all humanity. Let's continue verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep. Or from the goat. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses where they eat, where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at the oar with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover." For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall be shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Okay, let's pause there. There's so much profundity in what's going on here. Check this out, right? Number one, the lamb must be without blemish. Must be without blemish. The lamb needs to be perfect. It needs to be a male. Yeah. It needs to be innocent. Not just any lamb. This is super significant because Jesus had to be a perfect sacrifice. Yeah. Just like this lamb for the Passover would be a perfect sacrifice. Notice also, it, on on day 10, 
you're supposed to bring the lamb into your household. Now, here's a question for you. When you bring an animal into your house and it stays with you for four days in your home as a family, what does it become? Oh, it becomes part of the family. It becomes a pet. Absolutely. It becomes valued. Mm. And no longer are you like, it's not like going to the butchers and just buying a piece of a leg of a lamb Mm. that you didn't see. No, no, no. This has become a part of your family. And you're starting to see the significance. Why would God do this? He's doing this to highlight to you that this is significant because he's covering you from something that results in death. Mm, mm. And ultimately, this is what this is pointing forward to. And I love the picture that we have here. He says, look, I'm going to pass through and there's going to be judgment. Yes. And the reality is that unless the blood of the innocent lamb that's shed for you is on your doorposts and on your lintel as a sign to say, I have been washed, I have been covered by the blood of the lamb according to the covenant that God has made, without that covering... I'm going to experience the judgment that I deserve. And that's the distinction that's being made here. And so what happens here is that that this is all pointing forward truly to the sacrifice of Jesus, who is going to be the lamb who is shed for the sins of all the world. And those who accept the covering of the blood of Jesus will not be receiving the judgment that is justly due to them, but will be receiving the gift of salvation because of what Jesus has paid for them. This is Rivers and Robots, White as Snow. So I cling to the Lamb who has purchased me with His own. Righteousness washed by His mercy and love. Though I fail a thousand times, Lord, Your mercies are new every morning. So wash my heart clean, let my spirit be steadfast and Yeah. 
listening to real faith but it's not as real as it could be why you ask because this isn't the live show so as good as this is the live show is where it's really at join us every thursday from 3 30 to 5 30 p.m so you can be involved live who can we trust the media the government the medical community professors the church it's becoming increasingly important that we know for ourselves what the bible has to say about the world in which we live the bible can be trusted The End of Time is a series of presentations that will provide indisputable truth in favor of God's Word. Please join us Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. That is Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. For more information, go to the End.Digital website, Facebook page, or YouTube channel. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. You've owned your fear and all your self loathing. You've owned the voices inside of your head. You've owned the shame and reproach of your failure. It's time to own. Your belovedness You've owned your past And how it's defined You've owned everything Everybody else says It's time to hear What your father has spoken It's time to own Your belovedness He says you're mine I smiled when I made you I find you beautiful in every way My love for you is fierce and unending I'll come to find you whatever it takes My beloved You've owned the mess you see in the mirror You've owned the lies that you So blinded by all your comparing, it's time to own your belovedness. He says, You're mine. I smiled when I made you. I find you beautiful in every way. My love for you is fierce and unending. I'll come to find you, whatever. Love 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie, and this is Faith FM Radio. And I'm wondering, Shell, what time is it? Oh, question of the week. Yeah. Awesome. Was that your voice on that? Perhaps, perhaps not. Well, you have to guess. It's pretty bad when your wife has to ask if it was your voice or not. I'm not sure. Um, moving right along. So we have a question in today from Freco. Um, thanks for your question, Freco. And who's got the question for us? Who's, uh, dun, 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 dun. Sorry, we, uh, should have had that organized to so be. So the question is. Thanks, Shell. Um. Great to hear you on the radio today. <laughs> Did God try to kill Moses for not being circumcised? Okay, so great question. That story is in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 through 26. So it's a great question, Freco. We'll have a look at it. Um, it doesn't, spoiler alert, it doesn't explicitly state the reason in the story. So we're going to have to look at the inference and see what we can discover. Um, let's have a read through of the story. It's in Exodus chapter four, verse 24 through 26. Okay. Right after Moses is called by God to go and deliver the people from, uh, Egypt. Awesome. So verse 24, and it came to pass on the way at the encampment, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Okay, so the, the, the story is Moses goes, he's got his wife and at least one of his sons with him, and this son has not been circumcised that much is true from the text. Um, and at this point, it says that, that God appeared and sought to kill Moses. Mm. And the question is, why? This is yeah. probably, obviously, this is quite a strange story. Particularly after um, what's just happened. It is very, very interesting right after that. So there's a couple of things that I think are worth noting. Number one, um, there's the important question that I think is behind all of this is why. Um, why is God doing this? Yes. And why would it be significant? Um, I think for us in a Western culture, uh, the whole idea of circumcision is kind of kind of very foreign to us, particularly in Australia. It's much more common of a practice in the United States than it is here. Um, within the context of their culture, it was also not the norm in most civilizations. But I want to remind you of something that I think is very significant, and this I think helps to answer your question, Freco, so hopefully this is insightful. Um, Genesis chapter 17, you have the institution of the Abrahamic covenant involving circumcision. And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 
uh, verse 9 through 14, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. So in other words, it's perpetual for his descendants. Verse 10, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male, and notice the word, child, every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Notice, when is this supposed to take place? So for Abraham, he wasn't a child, so also all the men of his household at that time were going to be circumcised. But the perpetual um, symbol of circumcision was to be performed on males at, as a child. Yeah, childhood. So then it says specifically when as well. Verse 12, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he was born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. In other words, servants that you have in your house that aren't of your bloodline but that are a part of your family are also going to be accountable to this same covenant because they're a part of your household. And then he goes on to elaborate that a bit more. Um, da 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 those, verse 14, he says, And the, the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Mm. So now the question is, what can we infer from these things to be the most plausible? The, yes. the bottom line is it doesn't tell us directly whether or not Moses was circumcised or uncircumcised. So I can't answer that question straight from Scripture to say it's, it's yes or no. Um, but what we can do is, I think, infer from the story what's the most likely answer. And I think the most likely answer is not that Moses was uncircumcised, but that his child was certainly uncircumcised. And here's my reasoning. The story in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 onward, it, it well, one, it explicitly states that the son is uncircumcised. But notice what happens. God comes into the story and says he's going to kill Moses. This is a bit strange for us to get our heads around. But what does Zipporah do, his wife? His wife sees this whole ordeal happening, and the thing that she does is she doesn't circumcise Moses, right? She takes the son who is uncircumcised, and she circumcised the son. Then she takes the foreskin. This is like a super graphic. Sorry, this is the PG-13, welcome to the Bible. (laughs) It's not all uh, G-rated stuff. And then she takes that foreskin and casts it at Moses' feet, That could mean something else. It could be a euphemistic term in the Hebrew for something else. But the idea is that the foreskin comes and touches Moses. Mm. Now, the reality is it's at this point that the whole ordeal stops. But notice what Zipporah says. It's very telling what she says. She says, surely you are a husband of blood to me. You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Now, the interesting thing that I think to note here is is this, that... It's possible that Moses wasn't circumcised, but it's unlikely. Mm. Moses wasn't taken to Egypt. He wasn't even found by Pharaoh until he was multiple months old. So the practice had been consistently carried out, as far as we know, from the time of Abraham through. And so the likelihood is that Moses was circumcised on the eighth day, like all Hebrew boys would have been up to that time. That's the most plausible solution from the text that I can gather. Um, Going on from that, it's probably more likely that the reason for this ordeal is that Moses had failed to continue to carry circumcision out on his son. And the reason you might ask, well, why, why would he not continue to do that? Well, he had married a foreigner. Yeah. 
a woman who was not accustomed to this practice, a Hebrew woman, it would have been, of course, we're going to circumcise our son. That's what we're called to do, part of the Abrahamic family. It's part of the covenant. This is what we're doing. But for Zipporah, this would have been probably detestable to her. Yeah. wasn't something she was used to. Moses was probably the exception to the rule, probably the first person that she'd met who was circumcised, and she probably didn't want her son to go through that. And Moses should have continued the covenant with his son in the order that God had done. And when Moses says this, Moses says, sorry, when God says this, God says that the person who's uncircumcised shall be cut off. But notice in here he comes to Moses. And so my guess is that he's telling Moses, you can't break the covenant for your comfortability. And this is becoming very important because Moses is about to go be the leader of the Mm -hmm. people of Israel. And in that position, we have to remember that a leader is more responsible than those who are under his leadership. If I'm in a position of leadership, my example becomes the bar that people use to either live up to or to excuse bad behavior, Mm. right? And so Moses has a higher responsibility than anyone else as he's going into this position because if he's not circumcising his children, guess what? He's the excuse for everyone else to get away with not doing that. And that would go for any other of the things that God called them to do. And so for those reasons, my thinking is that Moses was probably most likely circumcised and that this ordeal had much more to do with Moses' not carrying out of the covenant with his own son on account of his wife to appease her rather than to be faithful to what God had called him to do. So I hope that's helpful, Freco. And uh, yeah, we're going to listen to a beautiful song by Anna Beden, Fill Your Lungs. Take courage and take hope. 
story's been told. The end of the story's been told. His kingdom has already, already won. He's already won. And God's kingdom will come. It will come. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Katie on Faith FM Radio. And man, what a what a great day it's been. Um, ah, I'm excited. We've come to the end of our show. It's been uh, excellent. And at this point in the show, I think it's a really important thing to ask. Anytime we study Scripture, mm. it's not about just having head knowledge. It's not just about understanding intellectually something. The, the real question is, where does the rubber hit the road? What can we draw out of this and apply to real life right now. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and draw out some real life application. What can we take from the story today that we've read? Again, we're only partway through the Passover explanation. We're about to see the conclusion of the 10 plagues. Stick around for that next week. Um, what jumps out to you? Is there anything that yeah, sticks out to you, Katie, absolutely. that we could draw from this? I think, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, um, just recognizing the, that stubbornness of heart that Pharaoh had um, even when you, you know, you're hearing what you know is right, but choosing not to follow it due to your own pride or stubbornness. And, um, I just see that as part of the human condition. Um, yet, you know, it is so much better if we, or when we get to that place of surrender and, you know, giving our lives to God or giving the things that we're struggling with all the battles that we're having over to him, um, you know, it's, it just saves us so much, um, I guess, pain and suffering. And that's what we actually see the Egyptians go through, additional pain and suffering that was probably quite unnecessary, but it was because of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. So, you know, the sooner we can come and we can confess or we can um, heed God's word, um, you know, the better for our own lives to be changed and also for those around us. I love that. I love that. It reminds me of a verse that Jesus says in Luke 20, verse 18. He says, everyone who falls on that stone, speaking mm. about himself, Jesus saying, I'm the, I'm the chief cornerstone. That's, that was the cornerstone upon which they would then build the rest of the foundation. Yes. Everything was square because of that being square mm. um, in terms of measurements, right? <clears throat> he says, everyone who falls on that stone, on Jesus, will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And so there's this real sense in which when you look at the reality of the gospel, Jesus mm. is saying, look, you are a broken person. I'm a broken person. You're a broken person. Let's not fall into the trap of thinking we're all just great and good as yes. we are and all of that stuff. Like yeah. you're valued not because of your being unbroken. Mm. You're valued because God made you and he loves you Absolutely. regardless of your brokenness. But the brokenness is a real problem. And yeah. he says, look, there's two, there's two options. You can neither come fall on Jesus and be broken mm. and let him put the pieces back together or he falls on you and you're crushed, right? There's, yep. there's no two, there's no, there's no third option, right? Yeah. And I like that because it, in what you're saying, it's, it's that we all have to realize that we need to be humbled. Yes. We need to acknowledge that we can't save ourselves. We can't, we can't fix our problems. We can't fix our brokenness, but Jesus can. Yes, he can. And so we can either do what Pharaoh's doing and resist, resist, resist until we receive the judgment that mm. we could have avoided. Yeah. Or we're going to be broken, recognize our brokenness and allow Jesus in to fix that problem. And I think tying into that, um, you know, we also looked at the um, institution 
of um, the Passover, which was pointing to this um, the shedding of blood from this lamb that would protect them from from death, the firstborn from death. And um, you know, the only thing that can protect us or save us from being broken is actually the blood of Jesus and allowing Him to remold and shape our lives, which is what the whole sanctuary. Oh, sorry, not the sanctuary. The whole um, Passover service was pointing to and I think that's just such a um, a beautiful reminder that God was reminding them that you know you're not being saved because of Moses um, there's something much bigger that's saving you and that was you know that's what the whole Passover was pointing to that's right you're being saved by the sacrifice of of God himself yes pouring himself out for you and making a way I love that um, something else that we can practically take from this don't cut yourself off to your own access to repentance, right? Mm. Pharaoh's in a position where God is working. He's hearing the voice of God. He's seeing miraculous, mm. supernatural signs of God's working. And in the end, at the end of the ninth plague, what does he say? He says, he says to Moses, get away from me. Take heed to yourself. See my face no more. And the day you see my face, you shall die. In other words, what he's saying is, go away. Take the conviction of the Holy Spirit away from me. Don't talk to me anymore, mm. get out. And it's interesting when you think about the Bible talking about um, the unforgivable sin, right? What, what does that mean? Well, reality is I think that it's talking about resisting the Holy Spirit to the point where you're saying, I don't, I can't even feel anymore, mm. right? I love this. There's this C.S. Lewis quote that, that sticks out to my mind that he says, you get to the point where you see something and you don't respond. When you see and you don't act, you get to the point where you, you can't act anymore. And then you get to the point where you don't even have the feelings that led yeah. you to want to act in the first place. And that's the idea that's being there. They're, they're dis- demonstrated. Pharaoh's like, I've pushed you away to the mm. point where I can't even feel the need for repentance. So there's no way I can repent anymore. That's a scary place to get to. You know, we don't, we don't want to find ourselves there. I love it. love what God is doing here because God is actually inviting all people in. Yes. Right? But, but the reality is like God makes a distinction. Right? He says there's a distinction between my people and those who, who choose to not be my people. But he's making an invitation to them yes. to become his people. Yes. And I love that because God is not exclusive. No. But he's, it's, not all, it's also not universalism. It's not just everything's fine and just everybody comes in, no problems. There's no distinction. No, there is a distinction. Everybody needs grace. Yes. We don't get in by our own merits. We get in by the grace of God given to us, accepted freely by choice. Grace by faith, right? By grace through faith, I should say. And that's available to you and it's available to me. But the distinction is made. Mm. And that's inclusive because everybody can choose to accept it. That's the reality of inclusion. That's what inclusion looks like with free will moral agents. Like Mm. you have the choice to say yes or to say no. The distinction is made whether you choose to receive it or whether you choose to reject it. But it's available to everybody no matter your tribe, no matter your nation, no matter your tongue, no matter your economic status, your educational ability, your gender, none of that. Free to it's free and available to you if you choose to receive it by faith. I love it. I love it. So anyway, it's been a great show. We want to encourage you guys to hit us up for our discussion topic for next week, which is what is a memorable quote or Bible verse that has changed you? Stay tuned for Drive Time. And remember, my friends, that real faith is lived faith.